Forgetting isn't funny. Well, maybe sometimes it is. I remember a story about three elderly ladies. They were discussing the trials of getting older. And one said, sometimes I catch myself with a jar of mayonnaise in my hand in front of the fridge, and I can't remember if I'm taking it out or if I'm putting it back in. The second lady chimed in, yes, sometimes I find myself on the landing of the stairs, and I can't remember if I'm coming down or if I'm going up. The third one responded, well, I'm glad I don't have that problem, knock on wood. And then she said, that must be the door, I'll get it. And we laugh, but maybe we laugh and joke because it is such a serious matter. You know, the laughter masks the deep down concern we have about forgetfulness. And sometimes a, a simple case of being absent-minded could lead to something far worse. And that's why we say things all the time like, I need to write this down, otherwise I'll forget. And forgetting is such a serious matter physically, but it's also a serious matter spiritually. And Jesus knew that. He knew that we're all prone to wander, all prone to forget. And so, for that reason, Jesus built into the plan of the church a simple, inexpensive, easily available therapy to prevent and cure spiritual forgetfulness. On the night before the cross, the event that would lead to our salvation, the event that we remember this Easter weekend, Jesus brought together his community, broke bread, blessed a cup, spread it out, gave it to his disciples and said, do this in remembrance of me. And for over 2000 years, Christians and believers of every language, nation, tribe, and tongue have joined in and remembered. And this is a good thing to do. But have you ever stopped to think, what is the this we're doing? Do this in remembrance of me. What is this? When should I do this? Why should I do this? Well, these things and more are things that we're gonna dive into this morning. And so in this online capacity, all of the songs, all of the readings, everything has been hand-selected and intentional so that we can all draw closer to remembering Jesus. So we'd invite you to sing along to the songs if you know them, to lean into the readings, and to uh, prepare to partake in communion, which is the simple act of remembering Jesus.
death, he instituted a special meal for his church to observe. And historically, the meal was called the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. Often today, we call it communion or the Lord's Supper. And although churches differ on how frequently we should take communion, the universal consensus among Christians is that this meal is an important part of our faith. When Jesus was reclining with his disciples after breaking bread and distributing it to them, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And many Christians have taken this to mean that during communion, we do our very best to recollect 
the story of Christ's death. We remember the gospel, and as we are reminded, the gospel stirs in our hearts worship. This is without a doubt a good thing. But is this what Jesus meant? Is this what Jesus was really getting at when he said, do this in remembrance of me? Well, memorial language was not uncommon in Palestinian Judaism. In the Old Testament, especially in contexts relating to the service in the temple, there were memorial offerings. And you can find that in Leviticus chapter 2. In these passages where the context is God's people at worship, typically it was not the Israelite worshipers who were remembering only. It was also God remembering. God says to the Israelites, On the day of your gladness also and at your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpet over the burnt offerings, over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. That's Numbers 10.10. So in the context of God's covenant faithfulness to his people, he would often give them signs that didn't just serve as reminders to them, but to him. For example, the rainbow in Genesis served as a covenant sign that displayed front and center God's promise to never again flood the earth. It reminded God of his promise as well as us, and communion is also a covenant sign. Jesus called the cup of the Lord's Supper the cup of the new covenant in his blood, and that's Luke 22, verse 20. And when he told his disciples to observe the meal for his memorial, it wasn't simply so that they would be reminded of the gospel. It was that they would re-present or convey it through the tangible sign to God before God. And when the church takes communion, it's not primarily a time for our individual subjective recollection of Jesus's life and death. It is the objective transmission of the gospel through ordinary signs like bread and wine. The sacrifice of Jesus 2,000 years ago is being set before us now, before God, as a memorial. It's not a re-sacrificing of Christ, but by faith it is the application of benefits of Christ's once-for-all death. And when the church gathers together to do this in remembrance of me, she is proclaiming Christ's death, that's 1 Corinthians 11, as a memorial before God who sees the sign and blesses us. In communion, God remembers. And we receive. He remembers his promise to us, to his people, and he sets these promises before us on the table. Christ's blood was given for you. Christ's body was given for you. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm.
culture and our society has become automated, especially now. Our phones ask us where we're going, our Amazon accounts ask us if we'd like to renew orders, our bills are automatically paid. What a time to be alive. When some of the most important tasks in our lives become things we don't have to think about. But how dangerous it could be 
when approaching the reminder in front of us. If partaking in this reminder ever becomes something we automate as a part of our religion, we shouldn't take it. If the remembrance before us becomes something that we have to do at a certain time in a certain way or in a particular fashion, it becomes an obligation, not a celebration. But that's not what Jesus meant when he said, do this in remembrance of me. And while we do have traditions that help us frame out our pattern, even that at times could potentially hinder our hearts from true worship. The intent is not to mindlessly perform a ritual, but to intentionally set aside time to remember what Jesus has done and why he did it. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. It's not about the bread and wine. It's about the body and blood of Jesus. Communion celebrates the gospel. Jesus was broken for us so that we can be reconciled to him, not because he had to, but because he chose to. We don't have to do this. We get to. And not in the way the Levites did in a specific ritual or format, but in the simplicity of bread and wine. And that's it. Celebrating communion marks the story of Jesus, how he gave himself completely to give us life, a new start, a fresh relationship with God. It's not about a ritual to revere. It's about a person to worship. Jesus is less concerned with the method of celebrating communion and more concerned that we celebrate it. Again, not because we have to, but because he asked us to. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Okay. 
Patrick Henry stood up and said, give me liberty or give me death. Oh, that's right. 
None of you were there. But you know how in my first home, uh, well, none of you were ever in my first home, I'm sorry. Do you remember when Donna Harris said to me, that's right, you guys don't know Donna Harris. You see, it's really hard to remember events that you weren't around for. We know about Patrick Henry's historical speech, but we know it as information, not experience. It's very difficult to remember places you've never been to, like my first home, but it's even harder to remember people that you don't know. I could explain the details of the face, the smell of the perfume, the height and the weight, but if you don't know them, you truly can't enter into remembering. This brings us to the beauty and the simplicity of this remembrance time. To partake in the symbolism because we know him. Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34 say this, This is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say one to another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the greatest to the least of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. God says we will have a relationship, but it's gonna be different. In the past, we had covenants, but in this, I make a new covenant with you. You will all know me. You can all know me. And not only will you be able to know me personally, but I will remember your sins no more. Because of my son, God says, because of Jesus, we have all been gathered together, male and female, young and old, all peoples, all colors, from the least to the greatest, because he doesn't remember our sins because of the cross. And now we can remember him because of the cross. And the thing about remembering is that you can't remember someone you don't know. And so as we step into this time of connecting and remembering Jesus in bread and wine, if you haven't stepped into a relationship with Jesus, there's literally no better time than right now. And it's simple. It's the ABCs. You admit that you're a sinner. You confess to God that you have fallen short of his glory and there's nothing you can do to please him. There's nothing you can do to pay for your sins. Second is B, you believe. You believe that Jesus came and he died for us. He sacrificed himself in our place so that we could now live forever with him. You believe that. And then C, you confess. You say, Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. I believe in your sacrifice on my behalf. And I confess that you are the Lord of all eternity. I invite you into my life. If you just did that, we would love to hear from you. We would love to have you either connect with us via Facebook, Instagram, or uh, visit us on our website. We want to know. We want to be able to celebrate with you. But there's literally no better time than right now to remember Jesus because you've just stepped into a relationship with him. 
And so right now, we're gonna take bread, we're gonna take wine, and we're gonna remember him in his death.
knew the deep magic there is a magic deeper still which she does not know her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time but if she could have looked a little bit further back into the stillness and the darkness before time she would have read there a different incantation she would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead the table would crack and death itself would start to work backwards. Aslan from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Death itself has begun to work backwards because of the blood, body, and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what we remember this weekend. While we have spent a lot of time talking about his death, he is alive. We remember that after three days of him willingly giving himself for us, he was in a tomb, he was dead, but he is not dead anymore. He rose victorious on the third day, conquering sin and death. And that's what we remember this weekend, that he is alive, and that because of his life, we are now alive. And so we wish you a happy Easter. We're sad that we can't be together, but we hope you found this encouraging. We hope it blesses you, and we hope to see you soon.